0: you're listening to future thinking from stylus the show where our analysts alongside industry thought leaders unpack the big trends you need to know about find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com
1: hello and welcome to future thinking from stylus i'm your host christian ward head of brand engagement and multimedia strategy at stylus Today, we're going to be talking about how brands and businesses can help consumers navigate complexity in the year ahead, as we all face continued upheaval and uncertainty in our lives. To discuss this, I'm joined by Fiona Atzler, Senior Director at Global Strategy and Innovation Consultancy, EGG, and Amelia Morano-Williams, Stylus' U.S. editor. Welcome to you both. So, Fiona, first of all, it would be great to find out about Egg Strategy and the work that you've been doing on this concept of navigating complexity.
2: Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm really uh, thrilled to be part of this and be here. So, as you mentioned, yes, we are a global strategy and innovation consultancy, but we're really about putting the consumer opportunity at the center of um, our client's business. So, helping with their growth strategy, their brand strategy, and their innovation efforts through that lens. So our purpose here at EGG is really to help our clients better understand the aspirations of consumers, consumers as people, really, and how context affects their behaviors and decisions to engage with the world. It's kind of really the secret sauce of investing your dollars well, if you understand, you know, through the consumer lens where there's opportunity in the market. And we'd like to say life is messy, but not random. There's meaning in everything people do, so there's always a why, and it's about cracking the code of the why and substantiating the opportunities in the market, whether it's innovating products and services, creating new brands, and or optimizing the complete customer experience. To answer your question, in the most direct way, yes, we help our business leaders and um, brand leaders navigate their complexities as they grow their businesses and their brands really by making sense of the change in consumer desires and behaviors that drive opportunities. But beyond helping our clients, it's really uh, about helping consumers navigate the complexities, understanding the world that they live in and the challenges they face. And we know this uh, from a recent study that we conducted. So we fielded a study with over 1,600 Americans to understand how the pandemic is impacting how we solve our fundamental human needs fundamental human needs being referencing Chilean economist Mark Neves' taxonomy of needs. There are uh, big underlying needs like protection, creation, our need for love and affection and freedom, but also understanding. So understanding really being the need to make sense of the world and achieve clarity and the confidence that we can tackle what's coming at us, right? And we know that fundamental human needs don't change not even the pandemic changed them but what we do know is that the way we answer them does and what we found in the study is that the number one thing that people seek to satisfy their fundamental human need to make sense of the world was to better navigate its complexities there's so much information there's policies institutional guidelines et cetera, and so forth, to really understand, you know, how do how do I make sense of this? And how do I live my life in a way that is uh, useful, but also pleasurable, ultimately? So what was interesting, what didn't come through is, number one, is seeking truth. And we know that it's important to people, distinguishing fact from fiction, or gaining more knowledge or understanding of other people's perspective. All of that is important, but not as important as just making sense of navigating through the clutter, basically. So there's so, so many pressing questions. If you think about it, in all of our lives, Um, how to navigate through schooling, remote, hybrid, in-person, depending on the school system, depending on your uh, local COVID positivity rates, we navigate daily, but we also navigate the future. How is it changing with college admissions even, right? There's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of uh, questions that we have. Work, work-life balance, added fam- family responsibilities, limited support systems not seeing your, your family and your you know grandparents necessarily the way you want to. So this is really what we found in the study. And we really believe there's a huge opportunity for businesses to take that on.
1: You mentioned this key focus being the understanding of fundamental human needs. And you talk about you use the term jobs as a driver for mm-hmm. consumer behavior in this study. Mm-hmm. Jobs in the sense of the, the things that people want to achieve is that, is that what you would say is, is sort of the meaning behind that use of that term?
2: Yes, exactly. So Ed Egg, and also me personally, we're huge fans of the late Clay Christensen's jobs to be done framework. So every innovator innovator knows them, but for people who are not as familiar with it, it's really understanding what exactly consumers need to get done in order to achieve a desired outcome within a particular context. That's where it gets really, really interesting. So that's a job. A job is a desired outcome that a consumer seeks to achieve within a particular context. So to make it a little bit more plastic, so drinking a glass of wine, for example, can fulfill many jobs. It can help you wind down after a stressful day. Now, all of a sudden, the frame of reference as a marketer is not only the 128 bottles of wine that sit next to you on shelf or digitally on shelf, if you will, Now you may compete with a self-care ritual like a bubble bath, right? It can help you enhance your dinner. Now the frame of reference are, you know, tasty refreshment beverages probably. It can help you discover new tastes. It can help you satisfy craving. It can even help you look good in front of your boss when really what you want is a glass is beer, right? So there's so many emotional drivers, really also functional drivers, but also emotional drivers that can help you um, achieve a certain outcome. So understanding which of these jobs uh, is the most important or are the most important but are underserved lets you tap into an actual opportunity in the market the way we see it. And it really helps you understand what you're designing for. So we work in gaming, for example. Whether you're a marketer or product developer, it's critically important to know whether you're designing for experiences that are satisfying a job of killing boredom or achieving mastery. Very different design principles coming out of that. In health, for example, a huge difference. If you're designing for an experience that helps people maintain health, prevent illness, treat illness, or just helps them feel not not being so alone or feeling so alone, the experience and how you position your brands and how you literally can help as a business consumers achieve what they want to achieve is is very very different than you know what you do. It so the job navigating complexity, for example in and of itself is much more than simplicity, right? So simplicity is almost like table stakes. Right? You would never do something that's intentionally complicated <laughs> or cumbersome. But really what it's about is it's about making people feel supported, showing up with an active tone, but not being overly technical to prove you're the authority in a certain space. It really is about being a very real and very practical. We did work with the American Medical Association, and it's a great example uh, of how we helped physicians implement telehealth into their practices and transform patients who are reluctant to telehealth into engagement. So it was a really interesting uh, project because we looked at the ecosystems of both physicians and patients to understand critical information gaps, barriers, Develop a very in order to develop a very clear and succinct guidebook, so to speak. We call it a playbook. But a very sound with very sound and practical steps to um, help physicians understand how they can help their patients really engage and get the treatment they, they need. And it was incidentally, coincidentally, I should say, launched right at the beginning of the pandemic. and as such, this was such a critical time picked up by the White House to really disseminate some of that information and the steps because it was so critical that patients receive their care.
1: I'd be interested to hear about how you think this work is important right now sort of a year on from the beginning of a very complex time and how it will impact businesses and consumers going forward.
2: Yeah. I mean we talked about the pandemic obviously and it really has shaken shaken up everyone's lives and understanding of the world unquestionably. But additionally, as you said, we experience this immense amount of social and political upheaval all around the world, but certainly also where we are in the U.S., either directly or indirectly. And I say directly or indirectly is because through the vast channels of communication, whether it's big broadcast stations or social media or other niche platforms, we're all inundated, obviously with the news, fake news, and you know everything in between to really make sense of the world, but also what is coming through here not only does it make it harder for brands to build trust, whether you are even a news a news brand or 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 any other brand who curates information and content ultimately. But what's really happening is if you look at the younger generations now, right, millennials, but really Gen Z, if you think about it, they've never experienced a world in which economic and social and political stability existed, right, in the Western world, if you will. And that's quite something if you think about it. So what they have experienced is a world that's that's basically a constant stream of information, lots of judgment, aka cancel culture, lots of instability, job-related, school-related, friends-related... And it impacts their values and desires and their sense of identity. And as we know, their mental and emotional well being a uh, huge topic. And it's very clear that new jobs are emerging from this.
1: So, Amelia, we've been doing a lot of work at Stylus on sort of equipping our clients with the strategies they need to emerge stronger from the current crisis, our recent roadmaps to recovery macro trend, for example. One of the key trends we're seeing is more community engagement and consumers leaning into local. How are people turning to their locality to support them? And how will this local mindset continue post-pandemic, do you think?
0: Yeah, I think this local mindset is really one of the most interesting and all-encompassing trends that we've seen continue and evolve during the pandemic here at Stylus. I mean, obviously, we are far away from the sing-alongs that we heard in March and April last year. But I think it's also really interesting to relate this, again, back to the idea of Gen Z that you were just mentioning, Fiona, because we've seen that 88% of consumers around the world are really interested in maintaining the local neighborhood connections that they've developed when they are forced to stay in their locality during this time time. And obviously that includes Gen Z. So as we move forward, how younger people interact with their sense of place, with their community and their neighborhood is really going to change. One idea that we've started tracking is this concept of the 15-minute city, and this is something that I think we're going to see play into how people think about where they want to live and how we design neighborhoods moving forward even 5, 10 years. And this idea is that in an area, whether it's urban or slightly suburban or even rural, has all the amenities available within a 15-minute walk, cycle, or maybe even drive in a little expanded world, and so relates to this idea that we're seeing that we've called the self. self-sufficiency surge, which sees consumers want to retain autonomy over their surroundings rather than lease it out to impersonal digital services. So navigating complexity, as you've mentioned, by really focusing on where they are and what they can get from their immediate surroundings and their immediate support system.
1: That's really interesting. And, And, you know, we also... Be talking a lot about sort of economic stress in the coming year. I mean, that's going to be a key point, I, I, I think, and it's something that we're looking at at stylists for our, our next macro trend. What do you think our consumers are thinking about when it comes to their finances now?
2: Two things are really coming uh, to my mind. So we just recently worked with a financial services company to come up with a new credit card. And then we uncovered that a main job to be done, talking about debt terminology for a moment again, is the job to keep me on track towards my goals. That really emerged as really important, underserved, specifically in the credit card industry, right? If you think about credit cards by their very nature, they pull you away from your goals. They really encourage you to spend money, to build debt, right? So being new to the market and coming with a concept that's grounded in the job of being by your side and really helping you and encouraging you for to uh, positive financial behaviors, rewarding you for paying off your debt, for being you know on track in in various ways, whether you know decreasing your APR after you've been a loyal customer for some time, it was really a, a huge opportunity for our particular client to embrace and to show up as kind of like a new leader in the space, right? A very empathic leader. And we're also just recently, or in the midst, I should say, are conducting a Gen Z study. And what's emerging here, too, is that 30% of Gen Z said being debt free is a marker of adulthood versus 17% of millennials. So the idea of seeking more stability, seeking, you know, being debt free and financial stability seems to really emerge for younger generations for all the reasons mentioned, really, right? The idea of debt is really a sign of living mindlessly. I think that's a little bit what's going on behind the scenes. And creating a more unstable situation for yourself in a time when nothing else gives you security and stability is uh, not a good thing. So until we have completely given up on the idea of saving the planet and our own mankind, it's not a good thing to do that. And I think younger generations are very aware.
0: I think this idea of empathy and adulthood that you mentioned is really so interesting. And, you know, when we talk about things like finances and wellness, it really demonstrates just how broad the concept of wellness is becoming. I attended the Global Wellness Summit last November, and one of the overriding themes was how the pandemic really has made wellness a concern for every industry. It's no longer taking a bubble bath. It is also making sure that you're taking care of your finances. And so I think that moving forward, we will see this idea of people looking for or softer approaches to traditionally hard topics, whether that is, you know, creating the perfect work from home environment that makes you feel supported both physically and mentally, emotionally. That being said, I think when we talk about things like finances or even from working from home, it's important to note that when brands are discussing this, that the experience of the pandemic has been obviously extraordinarily unequal. And so that we really have to think about how consumers have had these drastically different experiences and lead, therefore, not on the idea of necessarily working from home, but being supported, not necessarily, you know, making sure your finances are perfect, but having empathy with them. I recently wrote a report about well-being in retail, and there was this fantastic, example from the UK that started early 2020, First Direct Bank. They decided to get rid of their phone trees. And so when you have the someone answer the phone, it's a real person. So they can have a more immediate connection, a more empathetic connection with the person on the other end of the line, and then theoretically see if there's any sort of financial distress that's going on with them. So it's obviously not going to make your financial concerns go away, but it's thinking about how you can have that more empathetic reaction and infuse wellness and human connection into every consumer interaction.
1: We've talked about the economic stresses and how they're affecting mental health and well-being generally. And obviously, you know, we're we're sort of looking at the more pessimistic sides of post-pandemic life. But on the flip side, as the pandemic recedes, I think, You know, there's a lot of talk about how we'll we'll see a return to to hedonism, and I'd love to sort of hear your thoughts on how both brands and consumers will react in that sense.
2: I think it's very likely um, that we go and see some form of hedonism back, so to speak, at us as an antidote to today's austerity and also essentialism, right, that we see today. I do think it might be more in a more conscious form, truthfully. So self indul- indulgence that keeps the collective in mind. Yes, I think we will splurge again on non essential luxury items, but hopefully with a with a more increased awareness. And truthfully, all of that has happened, right? If you look at the the uh, world of fashion, the world of luxury travel, right, and hospitality, there's a a, a huge trend, if you will, and push and movement towards a more conscious way of travel, traveling and 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 dressing and all of that. But I think it's, it's just increasingly on that path. I think we're really increasingly on that path. We're going to seek out more minority-owned businesses. Again, everything more mindless. So it's almost like hedonism with a cause.
0: I think that's such a good point because I definitely do think and frankly, hope that we will see a return to kind of more hedonistic endeavors. But I also agree that we're going to see them, you know, when people want to spend a lot of money, they're going to think about how it impacts themselves and the world around them. There was a great example I recently read from the Amangiri Hotel in Utah, where people can go and have a luxury weekend spent learning how to improve their sleep patterns. So yes, you know, it is very indulgent, but it's also, you know, how can I take my indulgent time and make it practical impact my life moving forward and theoretically you know if you're sleeping better you're better able to serve your community and interact with people around you and you know not fly off the deep end that being said I think we will also see a return to more you know traditional hedonistic pursuits. And I think we're already starting to see consumers push back a little bit in terms of the virtual interactions they're looking for. There's a great example from Samsung who created a virtual activation for New Year's Eve where people could explore a digital Times Square in VR on an app on their phone and create a unique avatar. So kind of trying to give people access to experiences that they might not otherwise have, but through virtual means. But I think we'll see more of these types of experiences start to emerge as we're sort of in this in-between stage we are really itching to get out, but can't quite just yet.
1: Fantastic. I mean, uh, I, one thing I'd like to ask Fiona is when you talk with your clients about this work, I guess the question, the cynical question is, can this be effective for consumers and your, your clients' bottom line at the same time? And how do you communicate those strategies?
2: I think more than ever, uh, companies, clients, business leaders, marketers are really seeing not only the need, but the, the true passion for beyond doing the right thing, but really showing up with authenticity. And, you know, we've long seen that big corporations are very much in competition with new age mission driven startups and all of that. Right. And so, yes, you know, everybody has to really respond to the world that we're that we're living in and to the demands that consumers are really putting on on businesses. And I do see a lot of even big businesses really wanting to focus and see what where can what can we do and where can we can we have a signature experience, for example, right, that really hits home and delivers against those needs. And it's, it's really about understanding where you can make a difference. So, for example, you just mentioned retail, for example, right? And there's a big talk about contactless retail. And I do believe, yes, certainly induced by the pandemic, it will bring us to that world. Why not? It, may, it all makes sense, right? But at the same time, how can you as a brand or as a business still create a sense of emotionality? And yes, preference to your brand. So there's pleasure for the consumer in making contactless retail, not only simple and practical and in and out, right, but also creating a new form of pleasure that, you know, the the world prior, you know, did it one way. But now we have to think about new ways, how to really make the experience such that as a consumer, you enjoy it, you enjoy going to a place and not just going digital shopping. So yes, I think it's our, our clients do have appetite for it. And I do think there's huge innovation opportunities and also really to lead, right? and really sh- show how you can get a new sense of trust and confidence and pleasure from the from your brand.
1: Well, that's great to hear. I mean I, I I'd be interesting to sort of end with for our listeners you know who want to sort of embrace the things that you've been talking about. what what can they do right now? What can they do today? to take away from this uh, conversation and, and start guiding their customers through complexity more effectively.
2: Look at your customer journey, look at your whole ecosystem, look at, you know, how you communicate your sourcing even, right? Look at look at that whole ecosystem and see where you deliver against the needs that a consumer have today. Yes, the complexity first and foremost, but also everything that's connected to it, right? Younger consumers do want to get the transparency to see, you know behind the behind the curtains, so to speak we kind of did something very, very well, I would say, with, with one of our clients in a very traditional leading food brand, but we helped them branch into uh, the complex world of wellness, so to speak, right? And in this market, in health and wellness, consumers have really no shortage of options. Claims are very dubious. There's a lot of new age players uh, coming into the market, uh, and consumers don't always feel confident about the choices they make having true health impact. So at the same time, really explaining the science behind it and giving all the details to consumers can be so overwhelming. So what we what we did is we helped develop, launch a product, a brand, and a whole innovation strategy that built the brand around a very simple story and a very, very simple proposition that they could own, only our client could own, and tapping into nature's wisdom to keep us well. So out of there, branch is a very simple story stories about ancient practices that are backed by today's science. You don't put the science first and overwhelm people. You tell something people really already believe and want and want to hear more of, right? Those ancient practices, but you back it up with science. In our case again our our client could really own this. But it's a good example to really think about how a company can tap into their capabilities and what they're known for but bring it into a world with the simplicity.
1: Brilliant. So fantastic. I I end each episode of the podcast Fiona by asking three quick fire questions. So if you're if you're up for this, my first one is: if you had a million dollars, where would you invest it right now?
2: I'd invested in helping solve the pandemic behind the pandemic. It's the increasing public health crisis. That's mental health. Anxiety and depression are at an all time high. Our youth, our adolescents is not in good shape, and we need better access to evidence-based prevention and treatment options. And I mean, that goes from you know, consumer products to you know seriously the system that we're in.
1: The second question is, what's a consumer problem or challenge you don't think has been successfully solved yet?
2: A huge consumer problem that has not been solved on this side of the pond is navigating through a terribly complex and incredibly inequitable educational system.
1: Ah, Just uh, just that small problem to solve. Um, (laughs)
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) And the final question is, which individuals or brands do you look to for inspiration in your work?
2: Yeah, I love questions like that. And there are so many, of course, that come to my mind, especially... Younger people, people of all sorts of backgrounds, I have to say uh, one all-time inspiration for me is, and I have to say now, Sir Richard Branson from your side of the world, but really a global pioneer. I mean, he's always been a pioneer, and that's what, why I admire him. That's why I think he's just uh, so inspiring to look at. He's built innovative businesses for sure. That's why most of the business world knows him. But he also really created brands that are brand experiences. Before we really talked about brand experience, he did it intuitively. He sees failure as a stepping stone to success. And he put that out in the world before TED Talks were given about the topic, right? Embrace your failures. He still embraces vulnerability, in his case dyslexia. And he did that, you know, while usually older people don't do that so much, you know, it's usually the younger generation that it really embraces uh, the sense of vulnerability. And he does that so graciously and so, so in such a motivational tone. He treats people, to my knowledge, incredibly kind, kindly and lovingly and gives back to communities. And really, most importantly, he shows us that, that shows us that putting your heart into what you do without taking yourself so seriously at all times really makes your work happier and life richer so i'm a huge fan
1: brilliant thank you so much so much food for thought there and i I really think that was you know incredibly timely to talk about and lots of stuff to build on for everyone listening i hope so i'd like to thank my guests fiona atzler and Amelia morano williams And thank you for listening. And I hope you'll join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.